Are you longing for real life change and lasting impact? At More to Be, we believe that is possible through a fresh encounter with God and His Word. I'm Lisa Pulliam, the founder of More to Be and host of the More to Be podcast. I'm here to help you think biblically and live transformed, to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in His work every day. On today's episode, we have a special guest with us, Kat Lee, who's my friend and a co-author and we're going to be talking about how to take back our mornings, so it's going to be a super practical time together. Kat is the author of Hello Mornings, uh, the book by that title, and the subtitle of it is really awesome. It says, How to Build a Grace-Filled, Life-Giving Morning Routine, which I would imagine most of us could take a few <laughs> lessons on. And Kat's also the founder of Hello Mornings, and she's a podcaster and a mama, and she lives in a place that many of us want to live near because we could go visit the silos. So Kat, welcome to the show this morning. Oh, thank you so much for having me today. I'm, I'm really excited to be with you. I'm excited too. I think I think the first time I we connected was over a podcast, your podcast. Yes, I believe that you're right. Yeah. Absolutely. So how full circle is this, right? This is crazy full circle. You, I remember that episode thinking, maybe one day I'll do a podcast. <laughs> and I think that's been like three or four years now. <laughs> so I would love for you kind of to just share your story. Like how did you end up being Cat Lee and what are you doing as Cat Lee today? Absolutely. So... Um, well, like you mentioned, I live in Waco, Texas, if people didn't get your silos reference. And my favorite thing about that fact is just how much hope I think it brings and redemption, like just the, the idea of a redemption story. So I went to Baylor University and Waco, when I came to Baylor, was not anything that anyone ever said she lives in a place where most of us want to visit. <laughs> Nobody right. said that about Waco, Texas when I came to Baylor in 1998. Mostly I got teased and, you know, Waco has not had the greatest reputation. And so I just love how God has redeemed the name of the city and the story of the city and the direction of the city. And it's just fun to be a part of that and to have seen it from the very worst to the very best that it is now. And so being in Waco and being a Wacoan is very much a part of my story. I live here with my husband, Jimmy, who I met at Baylor, and my three kids, Anna is 16, Allison is 14, and Jackson is 11. And basically, I just got started doing Hello Morning stuff, ultimately, because I had three kids. And when they were little, I struggled with my mornings, and I wanted to figure that out. What could I do differently? Um, and so just God took me on a journey and in the end, I wanted to be able to help people and in the way that he helped me and make it as just practical and simple as I possibly could. And I feel like that is maybe one of my giftings to take something that feels overwhelming and to break it down into something so small and doable that you can't not do it. And so that's my hope for Hello Mornings. And that's really what the book is about and what the site is about and what the podcast is about. I'm trying to be more cohesive. Um, and so, yeah, that's pretty much what I do and where I am. That's just awesome. So help us understand what your mornings looked like before Hello Mornings. Right. So, you know, I had three little kids, so it was something along the lines of children jumping on me and, you know, I'm in bed sleeping and, you know, kids wake up early and I had, you know, they're, they're, they're much different ages. So maybe one would be crying in the crib. Another one 
would have crawled into bed with me. Another one would be like whisper yelling in my ear, mommy, can I watch cartoons? <laughs> I love that whisper yelling. That's yeah. A great you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it just wasn't the way I wanted to wake up. Cause then I would get up and I would be annoyed <laughs> with all of them. Mm-hmm. And part of my story is that I never knew my mother. Uh, she passed away when I was nine months old and becoming a mother felt kind of like the waker thing, a, a redemption of my story, an opportunity to be the thing that I never had. And so mm-hmm. motherhood has always been very important to me. And waking up like that and then being annoyed, this, I was like, God, this is not who I want to be or how I want to be. What can I do? And I remember one particular morning kind of having a meltdown in my minivan. And it was July and my minivan was in my garage. And this is Texas. So that meant that it was about 136,000 degrees in there. So I'm like sweating and ugly crying. And I'm just feeling like, you know, my kids are going to need so much therapy because I was so annoyed with them that day. And I felt like I was like, you know, you just need to wake up earlier. And my first thought was they wake up so early. How can I get up any earlier? But just the phrase that went through my head was you need to start waking up for your kids instead of to your kids, even if it was just like one minute, even if they were jumping on me and I just took that moment and let them jump. And I was just like, Lord, I just give today to you. I give my heart to you, my words to you. I surrender to you. Will you show me how to respond and how to live today? Even if it was while they're jumping on me, just taking that first moment and giving it to him. And, you know, just over the course of time, that moment kind of ended up being a little bit before they started jumping on me. And as they got older, I was able to wake up earlier. Um, And it's really become less about waking up super early, but being intentional with how I wake up in the Mm. morning and how I spend my time. Because I think that's a big obstacle. A lot of people think they think, oh, I need a morning routine. So I need to automatically get up an hour earlier. Mm -hmm. I can't do that. So I'm just not going to. And it's really not about that. It's being it's about being intentional with the way that we do wake up and then growing from there. That's so good on a, just a gazillion different levels because what I hear you saying is that the intentionality that God lays on our heart can call us to getting up 60 minutes earlier, possibly for some of us, or it may be getting up at the alarm sound, but what you do once that alarm hits mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. or the children hit as the case right. may be. Uh, for me at this point, it's the alarm, the multiple alarms going off. What is my routine when that alarm goes off is the, for me, I, and I'll be the first con- to confess on this is I grab my phone and mm-hmm. I want to see were there any messages. And it, at this point in my life, some of that is the sheer um, panic or anxious worry of is, is Leah okay? She's away at college. And I, I have the phone next to my bed because I, I think it's going to wake me up, even though the, 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 it's on silent. I don't know how I think that's going to be effective. But you know, if she reaches me or my parents, um, what if I need to be reached? And so the first thing I'm looking for, has anybody reached me? But of course, it doesn't stay there because then it goes right into, let me check my email. Then let me check my work email. Well, let me check, see if there's Instagram messages. Let me check, see if there's Facebook messages. And next thing you know, the first five minutes of my day is completely other than God based. Right. And not only that, but then, you know, because we all do the same thing. If you are listening and you don't do the same thing, 
call me. I want you on the Hello Mornings podcast. But, <laughs> but we all, you know, can do the same thing. And, and what it does is it not only wastes the first few minutes of our day, but it also starts us out in this reactive, responsive mode instead of, you know, and, and reactive and responsive to the things of the world, as opposed to if we can steal those first few minutes for Jesus mm-hmm. and our, our, our eyes and our hearts are focused on him then we are reactive and responsive to the things that he is calling us to instead of whatever craziness is out there. Um, and so it's just, I think they're just a, it's just such a key first few minutes of the day. And if we can harness that, if we can just take hold of that, it can change the trajectory of the rest of our day so often. So it's good. So you're not suggesting to kind of create a little vignette that's Pinterest perfect of the cup of coffee and the open Bible and the illustrated Bible and the extra illustrated Bible to have and the journaling Bible, right? (laughs) All of those things you're saying, it's not about that. Absolutely. And, and to clarify, you know, our Bible study time is really important. Mm -hmm. What I like to do is I like to divide up what I call the start and the study. So we start our day one way and the way that we start our day is important and we can start our day with Jesus but then we can also study his word. We can study scripture. We can dive deep into different passages. And I think those are different things. Uh, I think that we can study the Bible any time of the day. Might be ideal first thing in the morning, but I believe that every single morning of our entire lives, we can start our day with our hearts and our minds focused on him. And so in Hello Mornings, we have a thing called the three-minute morning. Because we all have three minutes. You can do this while you get up and go to the bathroom, whatever, you know, we all have three minutes. And so the idea is just to say, okay, I just woke up and we have a verse that we often quote, Psalm 143, 8. And that's just how we start our morning. We, you know, I, I recite that verse in my head, it, it kind of more as a prayer rather than a recitation. And so I just wake up and I take that verse and I'm like, well, let this be just really the cry of my heart. Let this be how I walk moment by moment throughout the day. And so that's the first minute. And then the second minute is we look at our calendar and we, you know, we look at it and we say, okay, God, I want to live today for you. So is there anything that's happening today that I need to take off my calendar or anything that I need to do today that I need to add to my calendar? And then the third thing is to do something that increases our energy so that we can live out the things that God is calling us to. And so the simple thing that we recommend is just drinking a glass of water And so with Hello Morning, it's called God, Plan, Move, because we don't want to just, you know, so often we can just wake up in the morning and think, oh, I'm going to have my Bible study. And we sit down to a 30-minute Bible study, but that never impacts the rest of our day. It doesn't impact how we spend our time. It doesn't impact our energy level and and how well we can serve our families and the people around us. And so the three-minute morning, the idea is I want to focus my heart on Jesus. I want to plan my day around the things that he's called me to. And I want to make sure I have the energy to do the things that he's called us to. And all that in three minutes. And so the idea is just that if we can just get things lined up there and we can just start and be consistent in that tiny little thing, then God can take the fish and loaves and he can grow it from there. Mm, that's so good. It's so simple. And it it really transcends motherhood. I mean, this came out of your motherhood experience, but really this is for every single person, every single place, every single you know situation in life. Like I'm, I'm thinking how much it would change my kids' lives if I teach them this principle right now. Mm-hmm. 
and and you know I, I'm not a fan of the water on an empty stomach but you, like you it's not legalism that I have to drink water that's the suggestion what's the right main thing that we're gonna do uh, to set our routines in motion yeah for some people it might be stretching for some people it might be just taking some deep breaths yeah so what whatever it is there's just you know we want to have we, the only reason we recommend the water is one, because so many people live, go through life dehydrated. Yeah. And then uh, two, it's that if you have your phone by your bed, which most people do, if you have a water bottle by your bed, you can do your three-minute morning without even getting out of bed. That's so, true. I can because I do have water by my bed because yep. 20 minutes after I fall asleep, I wake up with a cough and take a sip of water <laughs> and then I go to sleep. So um, so I'm glad you said uh, Psalm 143 and that the key verse for that you guys recite. I, um, I have it in front of me here, so I just want to read that verse, but then I'm going to back it up and read it in the context of the passage, because as you know, we study scripture on our podcast. That's like the thing that we do at More to Be. We want to see what the word tells us about how to live. And sometimes it will make sense and sometimes it won't make sense, but we're still kind of getting in and studying at some point, like you were saying, that there is a time and a place for the study of scripture. Mm-hmm. So, uh, verse 8 in Psalm 143, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, says, Let me hear of your unfailing love each morning, for I am trusting you. Show me where to walk, for I give myself to you. Mm. It's good. So I'm going to back it up to uh, verse 7 and just read it through to give us that context. And I'll even say, back up to verse 1, I mean, it, it starts with, Hear my prayer, O Lord. And um, actually, I'm going to start at verse one. Why not? Hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my plea. Answer me because you are faithful and righteous. Don't put your servant on trial for no one is innocent before you. My enemy has chased me. He has knocked me to the ground and forces me to live in darkness like those in the grave. I am losing all hope. I am paralyzed with fear. I remember the days of old. I ponder all your great works and I think about what you have done. I lift my hands to you in prayer. I thirst for you as a parched land thirsts for rain. That's interesting that that's in this passage and you're saying we're dehydrated people. <laughs> yes. Pretty interesting there. It is something that we need. The, the living water and the actual physical water he provides. Come quickly, Lord, and answer me, for my depression deepens. Don't turn away from me or I will die. Let me hear of your unveiling love each morning, for I am trusting you. Show me where to walk, for I give myself to you. Rescue me from my enemies, Lord. I run to you and hide. I run to you to hide me. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your gracious spirit lead me forward on a firm footing. For the glory of your name, O Lord, preserve my life. Because of your faithfulness, bring me out of this distress. In your unveiling love, silence all my enemies and destroy all my foes, for I am your servant. <sighs> so good. I love the word of God. I love, I love that this tells us that God is faithful uh, and that the psalmist in his struggle, which sounds pretty severe. I mean, it says he's losing, he's knocked down, he's losing hope. He feels like he's near the grave. Mm-hmm. Um, yet, what does he do in that place? He is turning to the Lord. He's remembering God's faithfulness. He's lifting his hands in prayer. He's asking him to lead him and guide him and put him on firm footing. 
And that is very much something that I think doesn't just begin like one day. It's the habit of days. I know you're huge into habits. So what's your perspective on that? Yeah, I mean, the thing that I I think the most about habits, and and I love how it talks about in verse 5, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you've done. I ponder the work of your hands. And what I love about that is the more that we're able to make things a habit, whether it's just one minute in the morning with Jesus every day saying, let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love for I've put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go for to you. I entrust my life. Like there's just something so, um, I don't know, passionate and action oriented to me about that, that phrase where I've put my trust in you. I am choosing regardless of my situation, regardless of my emotions, mm-hmm. I am choosing to put my trust in you and I am choosing to entrust my life to you. And sometimes that's uh, how we actually feel. Sometimes that's a want to want to, you know, that yeah. we, we want, we want to, but we may not feel like it right now, but we're choosing to. And the more that we do that, we're, we're kind of relabeling ourselves and relabeling what kind of people we are. And so even if we spend that one minute in the morning praying that one verse, we're able to say, you know, if I do that for the next 30 days, even if I've never done it before in my life, I I can look back on the last 30 days and say, I'm a woman who starts every day with my heart and my eyes focused on Jesus. Even Mm -hmm. if it's just for one minute, Yeah, this is the kind of person I'm becoming. And so I relabel myself instead of thinking I'm not very self-disciplined or I don't have a lot of willpower when we choose to to meditate on what he's done, just, you know, that first minute of the day or choose to just say, I, I entrust my life to you every morning, first thing in the morning, we're relabeling who we are. And there's something about what we call ourselves and how we identify mm-hmm. uh, our, ourselves that changes the way we behave. And so that small, almost insignificant start, I think, can make such a huge impact on whether something becomes a true habit or a passing fad in our lives. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And, and you have to have the the motivation, the conviction. I mean, for me, years ago, I did the Henry Blackaby's study, Experiencing God. And he said in it, stop asking God what his will is for your life. Start asking him to show you his work that you may join him in it. Mm-hmm. And I talk about this all the time because it it radically changed my life from that point on. And so when I do sit down to have my quiet time, my prayer journal for the last uh, 10, 15 years, basically every day begins with, God, I give you this day. Show me your work that I may join you in it. And and it it then when like I had an appointment that was canceled this morning, and I'm like, okay, Lord, that was your work for me. That wasn't an accidental cancellation. That was a God cleared the calendar because he had other work for me to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you see, you start seeing where God is working. And I think you're saying, well, don't wait until you get to the quiet time because for all of us, that may happen. That could happen at two in the afternoon or 10 in the morning or 11 at night. Start before you, you even get your body fully out of bed with this prayer. I mean, how hard would it be for us to memorize verse eight and recount it every morning. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the story or example that I like to give about the concept of the start versus the study mm-hmm. is if I'm running out the door to a meeting in the morning and my 11 year old son comes out and he's like, Hey mom, can I have a hug? 
And can we spend, you know, can you just take a minute for me? And if I look at him and I say, you know what, buddy, you know, I love you, but I don't have time right now to play a full game of risk. So I'm just going to ignore you and I'm going to run out the door and go about my day and do all the things. When we, when I get back, hopefully if I have time, we'll see what happens during the day, but maybe, maybe we'll be able to play a full game of risk. And then if we don't play a full game of risk, then I feel like a terrible mother, you know, whatever, whatever. And it's really the same idea, you know, like the God of heaven and earth Mm. is waiting for us in the morning. Mm -hmm. And I can either start with my mind on him and let him fill me and just say, hi, just Mm -hmm. say good morning. Mm -hmm. Or I can rush into the day and miss this incredible opportunity because of my feeling that I impact my relationship with my God in some way, shape and form by the perfection of my quiet time or how long it is, or, you know, what exactly I study or how I study rather than just showing up. Oh, that's just so good. It's just so good, especially because I had a number of mom fails this week of, Hey, I'll do this with you. And it didn't happen. But you, even as I went into Katie's room last night and I said, sweetie, I'm sorry. It took me longer than expected to wrap up what I was doing and and I hugged her and I kissed her and and she said mom I know this is just where you're at right now it's fine I know I know you're for me I know you love me and and that exchange kept our love strong I felt like like I walked away from it feeling just deeply connected to her and loved by her and Mm -hmm. appreciated the moment that God prompted me to take to remind her of my love for her Mm-hmm. And and that's what I hear you saying is that this isn't a to do list item. This is a affirm the relationship. Yes, with yeah. God. Um, there's one other story that I like to tell if you don't mind. Yeah, go for it. Okay, so it's I always I love sports. I know I, I was waiting for a sport story. story. Okay, so here here we go. Yay. So in the 1996 Barcelona Olympics, there was uh, an, uh, a 400-meter runner by the name of Derek Redmond, and he ran for Great Britain, and he was one of the best from his country, expected to win a medal, you know, trained his whole life. This was probably going to be his last Olympics. And he gets to one of the preliminary races, and the gun goes off, and he's just churning around the track, doing an amazing job. And the announcer is like, you know, this could be, you know, the year of Great Britain wins this medal, so on and so forth. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, no, Redmond's gone down. Like the announcers are, are, are like, oh, no, he, he's fallen down because he's running. And what happens is, is his hamstring rips at about the 200 meter mark. And I don't know if you've ever like pulled a muscle or, uh-huh. or something. I, yeah. But Plenty. to be running and your hamstring, hamstring ripping. Mm-mm. that's painful. So, so if you, you can watch the video on YouTube, which I highly recommend because it's so awesome. Um, he falls down on the track. He's just writhing in pain mm-hmm. and you can kind of see, you know, the, the rest of the runners, you know, keep on running down the track. They cross the finish line. People are kind of clapping or whatever. And then you hear the announcement announcer say he's getting up. And so it shows back to Derek Redmond and he's like clutching his thigh He struggles to his feet and he's literally hobbling and kind of hopping down the track. And what I imagine going is going through his head is, you know, I, I started this journey. I'm at least going to cross the finish line. I know that I failed. I know that I failed my country and my family, and it's not going to turn out the way I hoped, but I'm just going to cross that finish line. And so 
he's struggling down the track and, you know, the audience starts standing up and they're like cheering and everybody's kind of crying, watching him just, you know, in so much agony and pain. And then kind of in the corner, you see kind of this something happening in the stands. And this man jumps over the railing and shoves away these security people. And he runs up to Derek and he wraps his arms around him. And it's Derek's father. Mm. And Derek just collapses on him in tears. And together they struggle across the finish line. And the interviewers later, they, they ask Mr. Renman, they said, why did you do that? And he said, well, we started this journey together. I figured we ought to finish it together too. Mm. And to me, that says so much about God's heart for us. When we feel like we failed, that he doesn't stand at the finish line, kind of awaiting our triumphant victory or our perfect quiet time or our perfect mornings or our perfect motherhood or our perfect whatever. Mm-hmm. But in the midst of our journey, in the midst of our failure and our pain and our agony, he's pushing past all the obstacles, past our iPhones, past mm-hmm. um, everything that wants to keep us from him. And he just wants to wrap his arms around us and join us in the journey. And, you know, that's just a picture that I like to keep in my mind. Whenever I feel like, oh, I didn't quite do enough or, oh, I need to do all these big things. No, mm-hmm. I just need to walk with him. Yeah. And if that's just one minute today, that's what it is. And he can take our fish and loaves and he can grow it into something bigger. Yeah. I've heard you tell that story before. So I knew where you were going with it. And like my eyes are wet. I could have, you know, fallen into the sloppy, noisy crying because I just that that visual of a father holding up his son uh, who's completely broken but yet persevering I mean it's very much the heart of the psalmist right now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so true it's so true I mean and it, it even the verse seven that comes right before your key verse come quickly Lord and answer me for my depression deepens don't turn away from me or I will die I mean if there, that's the picture of total brokenness mm-hmm. and he is looking for his heavenly father to carry him to the finish line. Uh, and I think there probably are many listeners right now who can identify with that. Uh, I think that's me. I raised my hand today, right? Like I feel that broken. My, the hamstring of my heart is ripped <laughs> mm. and I don't know what to do. I, I can't even, like I could hear them even saying to us, like, Kat, Lisa, this sounds great, but you don't know what situation I'm in. I don't even know if I can wake up with my eyes saying, you know, set on Jesus and my heart bent towards living for the Lord right now because I look at where I am. I'm, I'm losing all hope, as this, the psalmist says here. I, I feel like I'm living in darkness in the grave. Um, and I know for me, I've not, I've not been to that dark of a place, but I've certainly been to dark enough places where I've wondered, where, God, are you right now? Mm-hmm. And I, I've been at this faith journey long enough to know that, it's choosing to run to the finish line in which we'll see God. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll see him. Maybe in the next stride, we will see him. And that, that perseverance, that determination of like, I am just going to take one more step to the finish line, isn't something that we need to necessarily do by our own strength and power. Like if, 
we're in that dark place. We need to, we need to ask for help. Like if the idea of what you're proposing is to get up and say, Jesus, I, I hear of your unveiling love. I am trusting you. Show me how to walk. If that is so overwhelming that you feel like you can't even do that, I would say that that puts you in a place of saying, then the body of Christ needs to come around you and support you. And that may look mm -hmm. like a community group at church or a women's Bible study group where you get honest and say, I'm in a dark place and I need prayer support. It, it may mean speaking with a pastor. And I talk about this all the time. It may mean going to a Christian counselor. And I, I saw not long ago, I saw somebody post on Instagram, like, would, would y'all please stop telling everybody to go to a Christian counselor? Not everybody has the money to do it. Or, or the, the facility, like that there would be even a counselor nearby. And I, so I want to say this too, that you can call five or six counselors and tell them your financial situation and ask them to, uh, provide you with a sliding scale or do they, do they have some sort of reduced rates for a limited period of time just to get to that place of help? Mm -hmm. And I know some churches even have counselors on staff. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not always publicized. Like you're, you may not find the counselor in the directory, but if you do go to the, the women's ministry director at your church or the care pastor or the senior pastor and say, I need help. They will find you help. I mean, a good church will find you help. And if they won't find you help, then you need to find another church. <laughs> right. It's my obnoxious opinion on that because counseling has been part of my journey to spiritual, emotional wholeness. And my red flags are if I, if I don't want to open my Bible, if I don't want to sit with God, if I don't want to start my morning with him because I'm ticked off at him. Those are my red flags. If that's continuing more than a week at a time, like talk to somebody about this and let's get to the root of the issue. Mm -hmm. So good. Yeah. Which is just important to say, because when we're in, uh, when I teach the coach training class, there's um, a slot, two slides in one of the um, lessons that shows here's what an emotionally healthy person looks like. And then the next slide is, is what an, an uh, unemotionally healthy person looks like. And I always tease my coaches in training. I'm like, listen, you will never check off all the boxes of an emotionally healthy individual. <laughs> like I, it doesn't exist. Like there are going to be times you're overwhelmed and disorganized and feel chaotic and hurt and, and are wounded and are longing for something that doesn't exist in your life. The problem is when that is always and and all of it right? That, that, mm. that burden doesn't lift ever. Um, then check into some, check in with somebody who can speak the truth of God's word over you and, and help you get to the place of seeing God's faithfulness and seeing his love manifest in your life so that there is hope again. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, what does this look like in the way that you are training up your kids? Mm, that's a good question. So this summer, well, I was a little dorky, but I made like a summer theme and I think it was called farming. And the idea is what are you, what are you planting? Mm. And so, um, every day I had them do, um, three things. Well, they, you know, they spent time with Jesus 
And then, was it? oh, then they journaled something and then they did a chore. And so I haven't necessarily implemented, you know, plan and move necessarily because, you know, my 11 year old doesn't have a whole lot on his planner. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, kids get a lot of movement, but just the idea of how can I be purposeful today? How am I investing my time uh, today for God's kingdom? And, you know, just in all honesty, it's not like it's perfect. My kids aren't just, you know, walking through the day with a halo and saying, how can I live for Jesus today? Some, you know, I have two teenage girls, so sometimes they're teenage girls and I have an 11 year old boy and sometimes he's an 11 year old boy. Um, but I want to first, honestly, live this as authentically as I possibly can mm-hmm. and have it be who I am so that they see it and give them opportunities to join in with that. And so whether that's having a marker board on the front door that says, this is today's verse, this is who we're praying for today, this is the journaling question, and this is your chore, mm-hmm. or whether that's just me doing my my quiet time out in the dining room where they can see yeah. me. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't necessarily want to require things mm-hmm. of them. I want this to be something that they own as their own thing. Um, so does that answer your question? Oh yeah. Yeah. And it does. So I think with a great example of you're setting the stage, you're modeling it, and then you're letting them come into the ownership of it. And I think Mm -hmm. that's so important. I mean, similar to how we did it in, or still are doing it in our family. Like I, when they're going through a struggle, uh, I might say to them, okay, so like, when was the last time you really spent any time with the Lord on, on a consistent basis? And usually they'll be like, well, not so much. Like that may be the first place to start because he's the one who's going to give you wisdom in your struggle. Mm-hmm. And if they look at me and they have at times, I mean, I have four children and they struggle in different ways. Uh, if they say, well, what can I do? Like what I'm doing is not working. And I give them the same advice I give everyone, which is, well, then do something different. Like yeah. <laughs> if, yeah. if it unless it's a covenant commitment like marriage, you have a lot of freedom to make a choice to do it differently Mm -hmm. and and try a new technique to get into the habit of connecting with God and hearing from him so that when you're in a struggle again, which will happen to all of us, you will have the foundation, that solid footing to to walk through that, that you Mm -hmm. will know how to pray about that particular struggle, you'll sense that God's with you in it. So speaking of struggles, I have a little bit of a question for you here. A little bit. That sounds funny. I have a a question for you on that topic. How have you been experiencing spiritual growth in this season of your life? You know, I think, Well, I think I'll start with a book that I've read recently called Forgotten God by Francis Chan. Oh, I love that. Have you read it? No, not yet. No. I I really like him a lot. Um, I've I've watched a lot of his stuff on YouTube. He comes to a conference our church does every year. And, you know, if anything, I'm like, okay, I have to go at least that one day because I want to hear Francis Chan. But it's this great book just about the Holy Spirit. And, Mm. And it's a very what's the word level-headed book in the sense of, I, I, you know, I grew up in a very traditional, well, initially I grew up in a Presbyterian church, which is even more traditional. Mm -hmm. And then I went to a Southern Baptist church 
And then now I go to a non-denominational church. And so, you know, I've, I've kind of seen the, the, the gamut of different forms of worship and different perspectives on the Holy Spirit. And, and this book is just such a non-intimidating, non, um, non-biased or unbiased, I guess would be the word, book about who the Holy Spirit is. So it's not this book about, you know, shaking your tambourine and whatever, doing, you know, things that maybe somebody in a more traditional church wouldn't be comfortable with. And it's not about how God doesn't do amazing things so that somebody who is in, you know, a church that, you know, thinks differently would be like, oh, they're, they're quenching the Holy Spirit. It's just this solid book about who the Holy Spirit is and the role that he plays in our lives and what it did for me especially with, I listened to the audiobooks of Francis Chan is reading it and he's just very passionate. Yeah. And so it just made me think, oh my goodness, I have the Holy Spirit in me. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And so the the really dorky example that I have is that I went to see Wonder Woman with my daughters last year. Now I'll give the caveat, Wonder Woman has a couple scenes that I do not recommend. You can fast forward through them. <laughs> but in general, the theme and the heart of the movie, I just it just connected with me. And there's this one scene where she's on this battlefield and, and there it's like been no man's land. And there's, um, she has to cross this big area that the the soldiers haven't crossed in years. And she's just like, somebody's got to do it. And so she runs out there and she's just kind of like down on one knee with her, her, um, shield out there and all of the enemies just firing at her. And she's just, you know, holding her spot and, and just fighting to move forward and, um, what I, you know, I was just watching this and I was just so passionate. I was like, that's me when I'm praying for my family in the morning, I'm going out there. And so, cause eventually in the movie, she, she breaks through to the other side and then all of the, the soldiers that were quote unquote, the good guys in the trenches, um, they're like, she's done it. She's done it. And so then they run through no man's land and are able to take this town back for, to freedom. And so just the idea of, you know, going out there and, 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 and being bold and, and all that. Mm. And so anyway, it's a super moving scene. And when we were leaving the theater, I, um, you know, you, you know, when you leave the movies, you think, I feel like a superhero. I'm pretty sure <laughs> I'm a superhero. You drank the Kool-Aid there. <laughs> yes. And so I'm with my girls and we go out and I just, you know, push on the door to, to go out to the bright sunlight and nothing like my face slams into the door because I'd pushed on the wrong edge of the door. So there was zero give. And it was just, I was like, I am not Wonder Woman. <laughs> That's awesome. And then as really, as we walk out and my girls are laughing, that thoughts going through my head. And I was like, you know what, actually, actually possibly more so than anybody else in that theater. If there weren't believers in there, my girls and I are Wonder Woman because we have the Holy Spirit in us. And at any given moment in time, we could have, you know, by the grace of God and by his wisdom, uh, a word of encouragement for somebody that totally breaks, you know, a depression in their life or totally turns the story of their lives or, you know, helps heal a marriage or talk somebody down from a ledge. We have the Holy Spirit in us. Anything, literally anything is possible because of him. Mm. And that just sort of blows my mind. I don't live in that place as much as I want to, but I want to walk into that more. Mm-hmm. And that's 
kind of what I want in this season of my life. It was my really long answer to your short question. No, it's really, really good answer because I do think that understanding the work of the Holy Spirit is an area that I would say the majority of us are uneducated on. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have you know, a, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just going to tell kind of a fun story from super short from yeah. last night. Just last night, our life group got together and we were praying for this one woman who's yeah, praying for, for this one woman. And my husband said, I just, you know, as we were praying, I just kind of, you know, then though this sounds weird, but I kind of just imagined you on this stage playing a flute and like all of the little flute holes were stopped up, but you know, and I don't remember the exact thing that he had, mm-hmm. but he told this story. And then as soon as she was done, like she, he said that, and she was kind of in tears and she said, I actually played the flute growing up. And I used to, and, and it was a story about how, you know, she had stage fright, but God was going to, you know, help her move past that and make the most beautiful music she's ever made. Oh. And she said, I used to have, I used to play the flute. And every time I would get on stage, I would have stage fright. But there was this one moment when God just totally freed me from that stage fright. And so it was just a really neat situation because I know he didn't know that. Yeah, that's the whole thing. And spirit. I knew she needed encouragement. And I just love how specific that was. And it was neat to see how much it impacted her and inspired her for the season she's about to go into. That's such a good example of the way the Holy Spirit will practically work in our life. (laughs) I mean, I, I can't even get my words out here because this is a, this is a new thing for me too, of like, what, what is the work of the Holy Spirit and how does God's power work in us? And I, I have been saying this over and over again for the last three years that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is alive and active in us. And that, that is the work of the Holy Spirit leading us, guiding us, teaching us, training us, and, and, and helping us see with spiritual eyesight where God is moving. So it's not only that your husband received that from the Lord and, and had the courage to speak it out, but also that you listening and watching all of this can say that's God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was neat too, is that all of it was a family life group. So all the kids from the teenagers down to the babies were all in the room oh. then. And so it was just such a testimony, I think, to all the children to, to hear, you know, this random thing. He doesn't talk about them. My husband never talks about the flute. He goes hunting, you know? Yeah. 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 So for him to pull this story out and for it to bring tears to her eyes and, for all the kids to see it was just really powerful. Right. And powerful reason to pray. Yes. And, and to not have the words like we, we had our small group yesterday too. And it was with a, our small group basically just doubled in size, which is a little overwhelming to be quite Mm -hmm. honest because we developed a, a tight little core, but part of being in the body of Christ is always bringing other people into that fold and we opted to do a discipleship Bible study, um, which I had done with my church Bible study. And discipleship Bible study, basically, it's reading a scripture passage uh, twice out loud, retel- somebody retelling the passage, and then uh, other people helping, finishing the telling of that passage, and then answering the questions like, what does this say about God? What does this say about us? How can we respond to this passage? And then... The other component is every single person in the group is supposed to go around and give like w- one sentence. This is what I need prayer for. This is what I'm praising God for. Mm. And at the end of that, 
the facilitator is supposed to pray for every single prayer request and every single praise. So this is a brand new group last night together. I didn't even know the people's names and I was facilitating the group. So I said, I'll pray. That's the job. I will do this. And it was talk about the Holy Spirit giving you words. I mean, I don't know these people, but I know God does. Mm-hmm. And I don't know these men that even felt a little bit awkward. Like I'm praying for these men's jobs. And yet I could hardly keep it together with each person that I was praying for. And the, whatever verse came to mind that I ended up praying for, not for all of them, but for individuals hearing their response of like, Oh yes, Lord. I'm like, Oh my word. I am nothing. Like Mm -hmm. I am nothing here. This is the work of God ministering by the power of the Holy Spirit uh, into the hearts of people who are willing to hear from him. Mm-hmm. Was, you know, we finished, well, we finished with me crying because we, I prayed, you know, from the left all the way down to the right. So my husband was sitting next to me. And when I went to start to pray for him, I, I just completely lost it. Like <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't even get the words out because, you know, we don't, it's very vulnerable. To mm-hmm. be lifting up somebody's struggle that way and and waiting on God to see how he's going to respond. Mm-hmm. So that's awesome. So I got one last question for you. If you can tell your younger self something about God that you know now, what would it be? One thing. Um... I think depending how much younger I am, uh, (laughs) I think just that he redeems, he brings things full circle. Mm -hmm. You know, I know my, my much younger self, not knowing my mother was always a big part of my story and my identity, even just feeling inadequate. I'm like, nobody taught me how to wear makeup. Nobody taught me how to dress or just all those little things or, or Mother's Day coming around. And, you know, at school, you make the crafts and mine just went in the trash or at church, you go up on stage and sing songs. And I was not looking at anybody. Mm. Um, so it was just such a part of who I was. And it's just been so amazing to see how he has redeemed that story from giving me not just one, but two little girls. And then I have this really amazing son. And in the process of this whole journey, he allowed me, uh, so my, my mom was from the Philippines and I, I never knew her or her family. My dad is, you know, all American. His family's here. That's who I grew up with. Um, in the process of starting Hello Mornings, essentially I got to go to the Philippines with Compassion International and through just total God events, was able to meet my mother's family for the first time and, you know, Mm -hmm. met actually 18 of them had traveled over 24 hours by boat, car, plane from all over the Philippines to come and meet me. And it was such a powerful moment. Um, It's just so neat to see how God brings our story full circle, not just for me, but so that story could bring attention to Compassion International and the work that they do there. And who knows, the kids that I ended up inspiring people to sponsor could be my cousins. I don't even know. Mm. Um, so, you know, back to that story about Waco, just how God redeems 
our story and he wants to do so much more than the American cookie cutter version of Sunday church and our Bible study time, not to diminish the power of those, but that it's so much more than that. Those aren't the goal. Mm -hmm. The goal is the great things that God wants to do in and through us for his glory. Uh, Kat, that is so powerful to think about how you have perspective now. And I know as I was listening to you say all that, I was thinking there, there are somebody out there that you just touched their heart and gave them hope about their future because mm-hmm. they're motherless and listening to this and still wondering how is this going to affect my future? So, and any of us who have experienced loss, um, I think your story is one that says, and the story's not done. Mm-hmm. It wasn't done for you. It wasn't done for Waco. Right. And really whatever their story is. I agree. Totally agree. I'm not going to even add anything to that. I'm just going to ask if you would graciously close us out in prayer. Sure. I'd love to. Thanks, Kat. Lord, I just thank you so much for this time together today. God, I ask that everyone listening would just have a deep sense of how much you love them, how much you are for them, and that you have a purpose and a plan for their lives. It's so much better and so much greater than they could think or imagine. And that when they wake up in the morning, their first thought would be like, how can I partner with you, God, today? How can I know your love and then share that with other people? And I I ask that you break down any barriers or obstacles that would keep them from connecting with you each day. And I just ask that you do great and mighty things to each person listening. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Kat, I am so glad you joined me today. I think our listeners are going to be super blessed by both the practical and by the spiritual, the, the living and thinking more according to what the word has for us. And so I'd love for everybody to know where they can find you online. Yeah, yeah super easy. Uh, just go to hellomornings.org and you can find all our social, social media accounts there at the bottom. You can also get a copy of our three-minute morning routine. It's super simple. We'll give you printables and a tracker and everything to make it easy for you. So just go to hellomornings.org and everything that you need is right there. That's awesome. So thanks again for being here, everyone, with us today. We appreciate you listening to the More To Be podcast. We are praying you've experienced a fresh encounter with God and His Word during your time with us. Be sure to visit moretobe.com slash podcast for show notes and downloadable resources. May you continue to think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in His work every day.